Hey guys, my name is Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio. So, thanks everybody who listened to my last episode on Outlaw Star. I had a lot of fun talking about that show. Also, like, alert, 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 sound of sirens from the top of whatever highest building there is around you. The second part, I'm not going to call it the second season, because shame on Netflix if they pull that kind of shit. Um... But the second part of Carol and Tuesday is coming out on the 24th, Christmas Eve. Which means you will be off. You, uh, or hopefully people will be off. I will be off. Um, I love that show. I can't wait to see more of everybody's favorite shitbag DJ, DJ Erdogan. Because they managed to find a way to synthesize every, like, shitty DJ trope and, like, shitty music trope and, like, meme edgelord businessman asshole into one human, and that is DJ Erdogan, and it's amazing. <laughs> I was saying this to somebody else um, early in the week, but this, this, and I think I talked about this on the Carol and Tuesday episode, which is in the podcast feed, but the scene really early on, like episode two or something, where you're at his house and like you see all this like like super meme, super overpriced for no reason art on his walls. Like the kind of art that people who collect art as a financial statement <laughs> would collect. And like you see the half shredded Banksy in the background, and it's like, oh, okay, this is the kind of asshole this is. Okay. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those artists. I'm just saying, like, the kind of art <laughs> that, like, is not, is usually great art, but it's also the kind of art that you as a person would usually purchase if you were, like, trying to make a statement about yourself through displaying art in a way that's like, I had the money to buy this. I don't actually think it's good. I had the money to buy this. Um, so, yeah, the second part of that drops on um, the 24th in America. I'm sure there's people who just don't care because they just like went and watched it on whatever streaming service. Um, but... I'm super happy today because I get to talk about a manga that I like, which is rare. So, without further ado, let's jump into it. So, I don't usually talk about manga because um, I think the last episode I really did that was super manga focused was um I'm not going to count the boys B thing because my point on on harping on the manga in my boys B episode which is a couple episodes ago was basically a way to say how bad the anime was because it could have been so much better but the last time I really talked about manga mainly is in the um Ocean Bow episode which is um, about the Ocean Boat manga, because until I recorded that episode, I had totally forgotten that they made an anime 
in the 80s for that thing, and it is very strange. So, um, what I, part of what I'm saying is, I'm pretty sure, I'm a thousand percent sure there's no anime for, for this manga. I'm not even sure it has more than one volume, if I'm honest. Um, but the manga we're talking about this week is Way of the House Husband. And so Way of the House Husband is one of the rare things in my soul in that it is a genuinely funny, very physical comedy style of comedy manga. And it is... So, um, before I get into it, oftentimes, anime and manga humor is either super over the top, or it's very, or very, like, joke-based. Like, lots of times it's, um, synonym-based, because lots of, lots of Japanese Humor relies on puns because multiple words can mean multiple words can mean multiple things, and lots of times they can mean very disparate things. And also, there's lots of puns involving like Japanese kanji and all that stuff. But that doesn't mean that there aren't great like physical like just laugh out loud comedy anime manga. Um, other ma- and that doesn't mean that translating things in a really specific way can't help things become, like, retain that same level of comedy throughout. Uh, the manga Dio is a great example of this. They, there's lots of jokes that just wouldn't fucking work in the, the direct translation of uh, the manga Dio. Like, you would have to... You, jokes stop being funny... If you have to, like, if it's too cerebral and you have to think about it for too long, if you have to connect too many dots between you and the joke, it stops being funny, basically. And what other manga Dio does is it makes sure that you know that the character who's from Osaka is from Osaka because, A, they mention it such an obscene amount that you're like, what? What's happening? Why Why is everybody dumbass? And also, they give her, like, and this isn't uncommon for dealing with um, specific dialects in Japan. They basically, like, do a one-for-one in lots of shows. Like, if a character from Osaka, oftentimes the, like, whoever's doing the dub will choose to give that character something like a southern accent. Because it's really the best way to approximate something for an American audience. But also, Adamaga Dio does things like the eye catches are just, like, bewilderingly bizarre and funny. Um, so, there are ways to translate humor by just changing the humor. So, it's still the situation is still funny. The, like, heart of the show is still retained. But maybe they're not the exact same jokes because you'd have to know too much about Japanese language to, like, pull that off. Um, and 
when I talk about Oceanbow, one of the like stars of Oceanbow is that it has tremendous sight gags in like the faces mainly of the main character because everybody's just constantly calling him a shitbag. <laughs> he's like, man, really? Why does everybody have to shit on me all the time? They're like, because you suck. But Way of the House Husband is a comedy about perception. And I, I know I talk about like how people are perceived by society a lot on this show. Probably a lot more than like I really sh- should considering it's a podcast about anime that's put into the internet once a week. But basically... Part of the reason why I talk about that is because a lot of how things are built in anime and in society, and especially Japanese society, is revolves around how how you are seen as like by the culture around you, if that makes any sense. But how how the community sees you affects like, what people th- perceive you should be able to do, can do, or whatever. And that's especially true when it comes to members of the Yakuza. Um, if you've... And the reason why I'm talking about this is because... It, it, way, if you never heard of it, Way the House Husband is responsible for some, like, really infamous freaking images on... Um, on... Reddit and like on the internet in general, but it's I it's, I encounter them on Reddit a lot more. Um, but way the house husband is about a like former yakuza boss who just just like who falls in love with this like very very funky and like very irresponsible. <laughs> Like, does not have her shit together entirely. Um, graphic designer slash nerd. Which warms my little nerdy graphic designer heart. Um, and he's just like, one day, he's just like, you know what, I'm done. I'm bowing out. I don't care about this Yakuza stuff anymore. I'm gonna go live with... I'm gonna go marry my, like, very normal, quirky girlfriend who's a, desi- who's a graphic designer. And just, like... Live a normal life. I'm get. I am getting out of the life and living my life, kind of thing. <laughs> and he does it kind of. He does it probably the way you'd really have to do it, and he just basically disappears himself from his own circumstances. Um, and the reason I say that is because oftentimes the way that the way that the Yakuza, like, the buy-in that the Yakuza have of themselves makes it pretty substantial if they decide to not be Yakuza anymore. A great a great example of this is uh, is actually a book called um, Tokyo Vice, which is one of my favorite books, actually, um, for precisely the reason I'm going to talk about. You int- it introduces you to the, all these different characters who are various levels of Yakuza bosses. 
And you see, it's very pretty early on in the book, there's a chapter where Jake Adelstein, who's a real person, you can go follow him on Twitter, he's a pretty good Twitter follow, um, basically saves this Yakuza boss's life. Through, through, like, giving him information that allows him to work around somebody trying to kill him. And he comes to Jake and he says, you know, I, 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 I pay my debts, but I kind of can't pay back this debt. You saved my life. If you ever need anything, come to me. If you, any, like he says, like, if you need money... If you need women, if you, like, need a place to stay, if you need a place to hide, I got you. <laughs> and he said to the Yakuza guy, like, why Why are you doing this? Like, you should have, you could have picked any, you, you can still pick, you can still, like, go do some other form of work. And in the book, Jake Alstein is, pretty fresh-faced as a reporter and as a per, as a non-Japanese person in Japan associating with the Yakuza. And it's, it's, I might mention this on the podcast at some point, but, but I think they call him the cat. He rolls up his sleeve just, like, just past like, the middle of his forearm and you start to see the, like, traditional Japanese tattoos that many, many Yakuza get. And it's a rite of passage for the Yakuza, but what it also is, is it's... And, um, I've mentioned this video on the podcast a bunch of times, including last episode. If you go watch the, um, Rare Earth, the I think, like, one of the first Rare Earth episodes, um, from their first season on YouTube about the untouchable class in Japan... Uh, you'll find out that the reason why the Yakuza ha started getting these tattoos was because they were given tattoos as a way to mark them as criminals. And that evolved into the, like, elaborate, beautiful, mystifying, like, full-body tattoos, ja traditional Japanese tattoos that you see everywhere, that you see uh, on Yakuza members lots of times. Um, and some fetish models. <laughs> and also enthusiasts. <laughs> but he says, he's like, look, man. I've got tattoos to the middle of my forearm. It, it, like, And he, like, hints that it's like... Basically, the way he wears a dress shirt is to cover those tattoos. And in Japan, oftentimes there's super strict rules about, like, what you can do when you have a tattoo. Um, I know somebody from England who went to uh, an onsen in Japan, and they wouldn't let him go in because he had a... He has two half-sleeve... Beautiful half-sleeve tattoo, Beautiful half-sleeves of tattoos, one on each arm, and they were worried, like, he'll scare the customers because the only people who have tattoos like that in... Japan, still to this day, um, with few exceptions, are um, usually criminals. Or otherwise, um, 
shifty is the way I would put it. Um, and yes, there are, you know, there are people who are outsiders who get tattoos because they love them. But unlike in America, where I would say at this point the majority of adults have tattoos, it's not common there. So that becomes a way that the, that becomes just one of the many ways the Yakuza kind of trap themselves in their lives, for, force themselves to commit to the Gokudo way, or Yakuza way, so to speak. Um, and so it's kind of exceptional for someone who was a big boss, who was like, he, this was the guy who would, who made his name by going into another Yakuza group, clan's hideout and just killing everyone. Just killing everyone. <laughs> like, just going for it. And, so, like, the best way I could compare him, best thing I could compare the main character of, How of Way the House Husband um, two is, um, if you've ever seen, I think his name is, like, not, I forget what his name is, but the Yakuza Swordman from the very end of the second part of Black Lagoon, the, the, uh, the guy from, um, the Yakuza Paradise arc, basically, and, uh, like, he is that well-known and that, and people, like, incites that amount of terror into anybody who understands what that means. Possible, basically with the exception of his wife. And the reason why that is true is because, and this is, This is, like, it, 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 it's played for serious, but it's also played in a way where you know he knows he's just, like, putting on an act to keep himself busy and amuse the shit out of himself. In that, like, he is, like, groomed to be like a Yakuza. <laughs> like, he has these, like, epic... Yakuza ceremony conversations with the Roomba. <laughs> and it, it, it becomes this, like, lighthearted poke at, poke at this is how he's perceived and this is how he acts. So, I mean, like, the first, the first, the chapter that, like, and also, this manga really knows how to, like, like, it knows, like, how to set you up for Okay, this is this is the start of this thing. You should keep reading. And what I mean by that is like chapter one, his wife forgets her box lunch that he spent all of this time making. And he's like, Oh shit, she forgot a lunch. And he grabs his bike and he's still wearing this apron with this cute bear on it. He grabs his bike, his hat, his scarf, and like a full overcoat. Gotta remember, this guy is, um, like, freaking funky looking. <laughs> um, 
he's got a huge scar over his eye. He's he's got when I was talking about the tattoos. The reason I was talking about that is because he's got the full like dress shirt of tattoos on his body. If you look at the um cover, you see the weird cat apron, and but you see under he's wearing this like dark suit with literally high end shirt, and like you see the peak of the Yakuza tats on his chest. And he also. Always wears fucking aviator sunglasses like he's gonna beat the shit out of you for rent money. Um, and so he's just like bucking it on a bicycle down the sidewalk. It's just like a, a cop, like, because there are speed limits for bikes in Japan. It's like, do you know how fast you're going? And the entire time, this cop is sweating bullets. And he's just like, this guy's fucking bad news. <laughs> I need to figure out a way to put this guy in jail. And but like the entire time, God just like look, the the guy who is referred to as the immortal dragon. It's just like look, I'm just trying to get to my wife. She forgot a box lunch, and she like she needs this now. Um, but, it's just, it, the whole thing is, it's really gorgeous, it, it, it is impeccably timed, and, just like, it, it, it knows how, so, I took, I have, in addition to being tr a trained animator, I'm also a trained cartoonist. Um, and, the way a comic flows, even if you're not thinking about it, is very intentional. Is it, so, the way that they th tell you to think about cartooning is they think tell you that the panels and the panel, and specifically the space between the panels, which they oftentimes call gutters, and then the big gutter, which is the middle of the page, but the small gutters, which are the little separation between the panel, all represent time. They represent, in archy-farchy terms, the fourth dimension, which is time. And when you lay out a page, you can manipulate time with panel size, gutter size, and with what's on each page. So, uh, whereas if you want something to feel quick and rushed, you make a really dynamic, kind of almost nothing is straight, but everything is moving the way the reader proceeds forward, kind of panel layout, and, like, everything has nice, like, angled edges, so everything feels really fast. That's one way to do it. Another way to do it is there's an amazing... I forget what page it is in Air Gear. I forget what page and what volume it is in Air Gear. But you meet the, like, holder of the flame regalia, and he... And... This is one of Ogate's real strengths is like illustrate is what's called futurist illustrations. And he and he I think he does it a bunch of times. He I know he does it a bunch of times in Air Gear thinking about it. I've done an episode on Air Gear, but um you can find that in the podcast feed. But um you see the whole, the wielder of the flame regalia 
do this one fluid motion, and what he do and what Ogre does is he draw is he has one extended panel where he draws the character in full detail, as if it's a rotoscope, as if you could bend it around like a thing and spin it and like see do the like you see the horse running thing, but with this character and you would see the full like roller blade movement that he makes and, and for that particular one it's a pretty simple movement but the way that he i think he does it in the center of the in the very center of the page and it spans the whole page and it interrupts the stuff that's happening in like story context it's still meaningful to story context but it interrupts it and it's just this like gorgeous use of time and space and like it it's one of the better implementations of what's called futurist art that I've seen in comic books. And if you're wondering what futurist art is futurist art is art that aims to tell that aims to tell you what's about to happen kind of thing. Um If you ever see a ball bouncing, if you've ever seen a drawing of a ball bouncing and you see, and it shows you the full path of the ball bouncing, where the ball is represented in dip, lots of times in different opacities, all the way down and all the way up. That's what futurist technique is, basically. Um, once again, I went to a lot of art school. <laughs> um, but... Not only does Way of the House Husband make great use of that stuff, it also, when they want to convey, like, a seriousness, when they want to convey a, like, direness of whatever being said, or whatever, like, flashback you're seeing is, they could, the author pulls it off without, without a doubt. And... The kind of genius of way the house husband comes from wrapping that all up and bouncing it all off of each other constantly until you get this like kind of awesome, not just kind of but awesome, weird middle ground of like f serious, funny, weird, offbeat, just like antics. Um, one of my favorite panels, because it really, it, like, says a lot about me, <laughs> is because I, so, if you're listening to this, the majority of people listening to this probably have not seen me in real life, although I know some of you have seen me at my panel, and I, I am someone who people would describe as surly, and by that I mean I have a, I have a very much arresting bitch face. Like, my default face just makes me look pissed. And, it, like, it leads, it leads to a lot of, like, people looking at me like, what's, what's, what's his deal? He looks, he looks not happy. And the, the immortal dragon, the main character of, um, Way of the House Husband, Ha very much has a resting bitch face. Like, he just... Like, flat, 
no expression, makes him look like I'm I'm gonna break your kneecaps and throw you in the river. But the other thing about this is is that the not only did he leave his life of being a mob boss, it's not like he left his life of being a mob boss and like is married now and has a stable job and has like renounced his ways or something. No, he never went and got a job. He went and became a house husband, like the male equivalent of a housewife, while his while his wife, who has a really good, well-paying graphic designer job, which is the dream, <laughs> makes all the money, he stays... At home, he, like, cooks, he cleans, he, like, runs, he, like, gets groceries, he, like, gets his wife's gifts. He's, like, the best husband on the planet who just happens to have been at one point also the best mobster in Japan. And... What, one of the funniest gags that comes, like, I want to say, it starts at, like, the middle of the book and continues till the end of the book. At least book one. I think there's more manga than one volume, but I've, like... Like, let me say I hope there is, because there kind of needs to be. Like, in my heart, there needs to be. But, um... And, I, by the way, I'm fully open to there being like 29 volumes and I just read one. I just wanted to do this because I was I read this a bunch like a couple months back and I was just like I think I read the entire thing in the morning. <laughs> Cause I was just so like oh this is excellent. I cannot stop reading this. Um but the this running gag in the beginning of in the starts in the middle of the first book and goes till the end, is one of his old underlings finds him and is like, why aren't you, like, why did you just disappear? We got our asses kicked. The clan got disbanded. What are you doing, man? Help! And, like, he's just like, at first he's like, no. And then he's like, I don't do that anymore, yo. And then his underling starts following him around just to, like, keep an eye on him. And he starts to, like, convince himself that, like, oh, maybe there's something to this whole house husband thing. Maybe that's how you become the ultimate gangster. And he tries to model his life after being, at like, after his old boss, who is now a house husband. And just, like, he just can't do it. Because he's a slacker asshole. And what that... Like, it at one point, it's like... At, on one end, it's totally a great, like, dumb gag of him just, like, tr of this, like, like bleach-blonde asshole punk trying to, like, become a responsible human. And he's just like, ah, oh, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll go to the grocery store later. But, um, on the other point, 
the one of the best things about Way of the House Husband is because it is it gets super stupid and zany on lots of levels, but at the same point, they give the immortal dragon a real personality and a real like charm that <laughs> that you get the sense that not all of his underlings are like Yakuza like brethren have. Like that you get the sense that this clearly was a reason more than just he's an uber badass that he somehow became top dog, so to speak. And I mean, I I would love there to be more because I'd love to see them do more with the character. Um, like there's there's a scene where they build a little chair, a scene where they freak out. What like it, he's told to watch this kid, and this kid is increasing to like watch a kid kid from the neighborhood. For a for a neighbor, and this kid is increasingly like suspicious. Like this guy seems like a mobster, and like it like gets to the point where the kid's afraid, and like he breaks the kid cookies, and then all of a sudden they're like playing with his wife's action figures, and they break the action figure, <laughs> and his wife is like walking home from work. And she just sees her husband, sketchy fucking mobster, and this, like, seven-year-old kid fucking burying one of her toys, one of her anime figures, in the ground on the side of the road. And she's like, you fucking morons. Super gluing this. I'm not that much of a psycho. I can still enjoy it if, like, I know I super glued the leg back on. I just it it's 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 one of those books it's one of those like story premises that they managed to do they managed to take a core concept and just like I I've talked about this before, but I really like when creators thoroughly feel like they're thoroughly exploring a what-if scenario. And in this case, the what-if scenario is what if, like, the head of the Yamaguchi Gumi just stopped doing that and, like, married a nice lady and was a house husband? And just the... The the other thing I like about it is that it's, it's... So... There are certainly, like, a whole section of Japanese entertainment that is meant for the Yakuza. It, like, it is designed and meant for the Yakuza. This feels like it bridges a gap. It feels like a Yakuza could read this and laugh out loud, and, like, a housewife could read this and laugh out loud. I, I think there's a section of the book where he just does Pilates. I look fucking terrifying doing Pilates. <laughs> With his ripped fucking body and like the 
aviators and giants guns and warrior pose. Um, and just the, but also the other thing is that one of the things that is important with like a manga about people who perceive you as evil about the gap between perception and reality is at some point once that gap is closed for somebody it should probably stay closed because it gets boring to see somebody just like <gasps> and it's the same person doing that every time it, it, it loses its effect so they make sure that people who he's clearly interacted with before remember him and not freaked out by the, like, the scary fucking man that he is. So there's a scene where he shows up to, like, a, where his underling, I th think it's the same scene where his underling is like, why are you doing, why did you disappear, man? He's like, I gotta go. I've got a cooking class. Like, it's really important that I make the cooking class. At, like, I'm trying to figure out how to cook something for me and my wife. And then cover it in this class. And he's been to the class before. And all these, like, middle-aged housewives are just like, Hey, man! Looking forward to seeing you cook. You're the best in class. And he's like, Thank you! I'm honored! And what, but what this does... What that what a scene like that does is it lets you use the new characters and just like what the fuck? Did I like fall through a wormhole? Oh god. Um The other thing I like about the show is something I about this manga is something that I like about um weirdly and this is good I think this came up last week too the 90s X-Men cartoon. And that is... In the way that... Wolverine... Is aware that he's a surly asshole... And uses it. So does... The, so does the Immortal Dragon. There's a... Hilarious... I think it's like one of the last bits... that One of the last... Chapters of the manga. But there's this hilarious thing where... Because... Japan still has door-to-door -door salesmen. Like, still people, um, if you've ever seen, um, what is it? Um, The Naked Director, which I promise me and Danny will cover the second half of that someday. Um, but if you've ever seen The Naked Director, that character starts out as an encyclopedia salesman. Um, but he eventually becomes a porn director, but there are still George Rose Salesman, who sells things like newspaper subscriptions, that's a really common one, um, but they also sell things like knives, like, get the equivalent of, like, Cutco knives. And some of them are not super honest humans. And so, this poor freaking door-to-door -door knife scammer shows up at the Immortal Dragon door, and soon he knocks door, he's like, oh, Fuck. I fucked up. This this apartment complex is supposed to be for old people. Why is he here? He's terrifying. He's like, come in. And so now he's like, at one point he's confident that he's gonna scam this mobster out of his money for shitty knives. 
for like kinda okay nine. And then the mobster and then the immortal dragon just like freaking makes him food. And like <laughs> it's really good. You should go you should pay the like less than its worst amount of money to read this on I think it so when did I get it? Oh, I think I read it on Viz. I think I I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I read all of this on the Viz app. Um, I think you can also get it on Oh no, I might have read it on Comixology. You can get it on Comixology. I think you can get it wherever you can get manga digitally, which is great. Which is really great because it it seriously I can't stress enough. It is worth the it's worth spending the time and money to read this. It is genuinely funny in like a way that few manga are capable of being genuinely funny. And and it's genuinely funny in like a it, it's funny in a way that's self contained. Because I at up at the very beginning of the podcast, sorry, I hit my mic. Up at the very beginning of the podcast I talked about, like, comedy through the gap, but comedy can happen in the gap between perception and reality, but oftentimes when they do that kind of stuff, they're relying on the viewer to already have the perception too, but in this manga, they make sure they set it up for you. They tell you all the, like, awesome horror stories of him being a badass Yakuza boss. And they even... There's... So, kind of out of left field, but it makes sense when you see it, is... They have... They don't have a whole lot of focus on the wife for a long time. I think her name's, like, Hiromi. But... The like one scene they make sure to include is like her look at him and being like, "Oh man, he's still a fucking scary motherfucker." <laughs> I still have to apologize to him for for, for people to hit people for him all the time because they have this great scene where she's like, "We have a day off. We should go to the mall." <laughs> and she's like, "I want to go to the mall. There's some stuff I want." And he's like, "Okay," and. She gets, like, normally she's wearing, like, a business lady outfit all the time. So she's, like, wandering around the mall in, like, a t-shirt and sweatpants. She's just, like, happy to be free for a day. He is in full-on fucking Yakuza suit, no tie, shirt unbuttoned to the middle of the chest. Freaking tats out the, all, the whole nine yards. And she's just, like, people are fucking scared of you, yo. At one point, he's just like, people? Scared of me? Really? You think? <laughs> and they have this great, which of course leads into this, like, dressed up, like, what what in, <laughs> what in a shoujo, what in a shoujo anime, or, or even an anime like Outlaw Star, would be like a, like, quick cut of, like, all these, a female character trying on all these different outfits and making all these different poses are the same with him, but, like, every outfit she puts him in is increasingly more, like, from, like, 
terrifying mobster-like because the bass is so fucking terrifying. And she's like, oh god, I should have never put him in a kimono. Now he looks like he's like hustling dice at the dock in Kyoto. It's really good. But in that, like, after after all that, she touched on, like, well, at least he's not like he was. And they do a quick flashback page where you see her, like, holding him and he's got freaking bullet holes in his back. And he is rough looking. And one of the, be- one of the best things you can do with any show is show that there are things you could focus on if there's an opportunity to. And then pull back. Because what that does, especially in an opening gambit of any media property, is it shows that there is depth to the story already. One of the best things about, actually, the 1990s X-Men that you don't really think about until you watch it when you're older is that all the characters know each other and all the characters have history with each other. Like, when they, when they encounter Magneto for the first time, the audience surrogate character, the audience insert character of Jubilee's like, who the hell is this guy? And Wolverine's like, oh, fuck, really? I want to deal with this. <laughs> Can you just go home, Magneto, please? Um, and then, so, by letting the audience know that there's a backstory, it allows the audience to, like, rest easy and know that you know what you're doing and that you're, like, that the characters have some kind of interiority, and that when you're having fun with them, you know that they're real, which is great. Um, so I'm going to actually cut it off here. If you like this episode, please subscribe and leave a rating on iTunes, five stars. Um, I have been Alex. This has been a slightly odd recording. I broke some of my rules, but nonetheless, You've been listening to Lunchbox Radio, and I will talk at you later.